Yep. Yep. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Blacklist, the show where we interview the elite. Today, we have probably one of the youngest entrepreneurs that we've had on this show, um, but he's still a powerhouse of an entrepreneur. Um, so right here to my right, his name is Dre Medici. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, you've already done, by 22 years old, you've already done over 10 million in sales. Is that true? Correct. Yeah. So, you know, he's a powerhouse uh, of an individual and he's super young. I can't imagine what it would be like when you're like 30, you know? So- you know, I wish I would have started younger and he started when he was incredibly young. So we'll kind of dive into his story. We'll dive into what his business does um, and what he's doing at such a young age to crush it. Because I think your new goal, um, if you haven't hit it already, because I saw just a recent interview, is like a million a month. Is that true? Yep. Yeah, that's what I'm shooting for now. Yeah. Well, dude, I'm, I'm happy to have you on the show. Thank you. Yeah. First and foremost, Lisa, thank you so much for having me as well. I know you've had some incredible guests on here, so I'm super excited to be one of them now as well. Yeah. So yeah, man, excited to dive in. Perfect. Well, you know, for people that don't know who you are, right? Because um, I'd say like for somebody this young, uh, you haven't been, you know, incredibly online where people have been on, online for like decades. Um, give yourself an introduction. Who is Dre and what does he do? Yeah, so I'm an eight-figure entrepreneur uh, because my company is has an eight-figure valuation. So we're a digital marketing agency. Essentially, we offer every digital marketing service that you can think of. Something that I love to mention is that every single service that we offer is a service that I and our company use ourselves. So we offer growing your Instagram, growing every single social platform you can think of, helping you build up your engagement, helping you get inbound leads on a 24-7 basis, having you know over a thousand calls booked a month or more. We get you press outlets. We also do graphic design, video editing, websites. SEO, everything you can think of digital marketing we offer. So yeah. now we're looking to be, you know, the most exclusive and just prestigious digital marketing agency out there. Yeah. So a lot of people, when they talk about, <clears throat> you know, starting out in business or an online business, they always say like niche down. Um, from your point of view, though, it doesn't look like you've niched down. It looks like you've went very broad. Why is that? I love that question. I always mention to people that I think when people put in their bio, I only help fitness dads or entrepreneurs over 40 years old, that they're putting a cap on themselves, right? Because what if there's an entrepreneur that lands on their page that's 30 years old, that could have been a perfect client for them, but since they said only 40, they swiped out because it didn't qualify for them, right? Yeah. And so with us, I always mention this too, is you can walk into a coffee shop, if you see a lawyer, if you see a realtor, if you see a fitness coach, if you see a dentist, no matter what industry they're in, they can utilize our services. We can take them to the next level because if somebody has hundred followers or no social media presence at all. Everyone knows the power of social media today. They want to get on it. They've seen what it's done for other people. So they want to be part of that. They want to have a new system for leads. They want to have free exposure that you can get just from being on a social platform and posting content. So we've now said, not now, always since day one, we serve everyone. So it doesn't yeah. matter what industry you're in, we can take your business to the next level. No matter if you're a beginner already doing seven figures, eight figures, or even companies that are doing nine figures, we've been able to elevate their social presence. Yeah. Okay. So is that the overarching thing then? Because my question is like, I know how hard it is or how difficult it is to like just do one endeavor, right? And there's a lot of entrepreneurs that usually do like maybe, maybe a couple. For you, like you're doing a wide variety of services. How do you end up mastering them all or do they all kind of come together to, to, to accomplish one goal? They all come together to accomplish one goal. The first thing that we do is we go ahead and take their Instagram following to the next level. We can do that through doing paid shout outs, theme pages, 
just mass promotions, mass DMs that we're able to send out. There's many different yeah. ways that we're able to bring traffic. Once you have that following and you have that credibility, you want to also make sure that you have that engaging content that's going to get you engagement. So you have the video editing, you have the graphic design content, you have everything that looks elite. The next thing you want to make sure is that you have a website to put in your link in bio that also is elite as well and shows that you are top authority in your industry. Once you have that, you're also going to need to start running paid traffic. That can be through general ads. That can be right. through our mass DM service. So as you, as you said, everything comes together. Everything we offer is that end goal of now you have a seven-figure business, eight-figure business, and on your way to a nine-figure valuation or even putting yourself on the stock market because what we do is what every investor looks for. When an investor sees a company, they want to see, do you have that social proof? Do you have people that are engaging with your stuff? Do you have an elite presence anytime somebody looks at your page and takes a quick glance. And that's everything in marketing because you could spend thousands of dollars per month driving people to your Instagram page. But if that Instagram page doesn't stand out, they're just going to swipe out and you're never going to be profitable. But if you have an Instagram page that stands out, now they're going to stay on that page. They're going to send you a message. They're going to want to learn more from you. And it's just a huge transformation, a huge difference. Yeah. So walk me through like, if there's differences between somebody just starting out, what service do they end up getting or do you guys recommend versus somebody that already has a seven-figure business and just kind of wants to scale? For sure. So typically, there's some seven-figure businesses who are still not on Instagram, right? So there could be companies that are on the stock market. They still don't have an Instagram. So if you don't have an Instagram, it's still the same process, the same setup. We start with building your Instagram, doing everything that I just mentioned. If you already have an Instagram, you're at 50K followers. Some people may have 50K followers, but they don't have great content. They don't have engagements. People don't even care about those followers because the rest doesn't match along with it. They also may not have a lead acquisition system in place. They may not have a sales team in place. So they're still missing the fundamentals that they need to actually be able to monetize that page. So it all depends on what they already have. If they already have the following, well, maybe we'll say, let's skip that. It's utilize the budget just to already start bringing you leads. So yeah. you can start seeing an ROI. So we try to fill in all the gaps that they don't already have, essentially. Right, right. Okay, I, I like that. And in terms of like the marketing um, portion of it, so lead acquisition, to give me the different varieties that you guys do. I know you said mass DMs. You also do, you know. All social ads. So yeah. Snapchat, Twitter ads, YouTube ads, Facebook ads. We also do email marketing as well. Yep. So we have in-house team members that can send out up to 130 emails per day. And then if they want to scale that up, we can just add 10 employees, 20 employees, 30 employees, as much as they want to do outbound prospecting. We also do LinkedIn automation as well to bring in higher ticket inbound leads. So yeah. we kind of cover everything that you can think of as far as lead acquisition. We like to tap into all of them and just do a mix of everything. Got it. And you said that you've done this before for yourself, right? Yes. This is, is this how you found out about all, about all of these services? 100%. So I became an expert at all of these services ourselves before I ever offered them to the market. I spent ourselves over a million dollars on all of these services before I ever offered them to the market. So what I do is I use them as lead acquisition systems for ourselves. So one of the newer ones is Mastians. People have kind of seen them. Yeah. Some people may not like them. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. It works for us because we built it out in-house. And so essentially, you know, we spent $1.5 million on that just ourselves before we ever offered it to our clients. So when we went ahead and did that, we already knew the scripts that convert, how big the message should be, different call to actions that really convert well. So we come in with so much experience and that's what makes the difference with working with us versus just working with a newbie who doesn't actually have an eight-figure company and they're just saying they do, right? Yeah, yeah. No, that's powerful. And when you test out these things, have there been, I'm pretty sure there's been some investments and stuff that like just have not have panned out and they just like 
completely tanked. Yeah. So the thing with us, um, one of the things that we specialize in is we like to acquire every service that we touch at the lowest price on the market. And when you have higher margins, right, when you're not spending, get, getting it at that retail cost, yep. you have a lot more margin for failure to still be profitable with that failure, right? right? So let's say, you know, you spend $1,000 on one of these marketing strategies. Since we were getting that $1,000 spend for the lowest possible cost, even if, you know, we may not see a profit on that first week, we have such high ticket services that we can fail on that 1,000 spend. On that second week, we spend that same 1,000 and we get a 10K close that pays for that week of failure right. and 10 weeks ahead. So thank God for now, to be honest, <laughs> All of our marketing services work profitably for us. We've never had to cut any of them out. Um, I will say that, you know, we do like to see what's working the most and apply the most budget towards that. There's times when maybe we'll take a pause on something here to put more there. But realistically, anytime we do any of these services, if I were to do just a case study and have a camera on me and show them all, you would see that they all work. And I'll get into why in a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, part of, part of that reason why is because of the systems that you built out. Like I, I know that um, back, like maybe like four or five years ago, I, I paid for uh, Facebook ads, right? But I didn't have a sales team or I didn't have a sales script or I didn't know our conversion rate and I didn't know like a ton of stuff. So I spent a lot of money to acquire leads without knowing where people were falling off. So like, I'm pretty sure a lot of these are working because you already have systems developed in the back end that makes sure that when you get a lead, you know exactly how to convert it. Is that right? That's exactly right. And another interesting topic is before I ever went ahead and started spending money on paid traffic, the way that we built out our company was that we would recruit people towards our company that were just young entrepreneurs, 18 years old. They didn't have any success. Some could be 21, 22, you know, but just people coming out of college that were seeing other entrepreneurs making money and they wanted to be involved. I knew that when people just paid for a course, you know, they weren't just going to become, you know, generate six figures a year yeah. off a course. So what I did was I said, hey, look, you can join my company. I will go ahead and invest in your personal brand, show you everything you need to do step by step. All you have to do then is message 50 to 100 people every single day for 30 days. Each day you do that. And you're going to start making money without me needing to put paid ads for you to make money. Yeah. So what that did was without us spending any money, <clears throat> we were able to see that our business and our offer was a winning offer because they were able to start closing tons of deals left and right, simply doing cold outreach. So when your offer works through cold outreach, there's a high probability that when you start spending paid ads on that offer and you have a high enough margin, you're going to see a lot of success. Right, right. What comes in with a good offer? Because obviously, you know, a lot of people right now are reading like Hormonzi's book, uh, $100 million offers and stuff like that. So what have you found to be kind of like a winning offer. What does it need? Our The reason why we have a winning offer is because it's a done for you and guaranteed service. So let's say somebody pays $1,000 or $10,000. They're going to have a list of guarantees that that comes with, and they receive those guarantees 100% of the times. Other times, if somebody's trying to sell a course, they have to convince that person on why that course is going to change their life. Instead of saying, once you pay, you guaranteed see this increase in your following or this media outlet or everything is a done for you guaranteed service. And that plays such a big difference because that allows for quicker upsells. That allows for quicker referrals. And the reason why it does that is because if you buy a course, you may not even watch it once. You may not even finish it. So how are you going to want to buy something else? But if you buy from us and after a week, we've already fulfilled in that service, 
you may say, I want to use it forever. I want to do this. I want to do that. And yeah. so that's what plays a big difference. Yeah. Well, dude, that's powerful. One of the things that I want to talk about is how you, um, how you hire the right people in your, in your uh, business. Because I think part of building a big business is putting the right people in place. Um, so how do you determine once you've kind of have, you know, a lot of that stuff down the sales, uh, you know, the marketing acquisitions and stuff like that, how do you determine where you need to place people? So I want to give a big shout out to my executive assistant, Isaac, who's also a CEO of our company as well. And he has done an incredible job in filtering out different staff, saying who's doing an incredible job, who's not. And, you know, you've probably heard this quote, right? Hire slow, fire fast. Yeah. And we've done that incredibly well. You know, when we hire people, we make sure that we're doing a Zoom interview process with them. We ask them, you know, our questions that have worked throughout the years. And those questions always give us a good idea of how that person is going to, you know, jump into our company and how we think that they're going to perform. But overall, it comes down to what is their incentive to want to give their best effort to you. Right. And so one thing that I do very well is I make sure I treat every single one of our team members like they're part of our family. And when you do that, it allows you to hire a lot better because everyone that joins your company is going to feel like they're working for a bigger purpose. Yeah. Okay. I've done an incredible job at doing that. Right now, I may start splurging a little bit. I'm thinking about buying a Lamborghini Urus, you know, it does have that write-off benefit. But one thing that I will tell you is I've made money in the last four to five years where I could have had 10 McLarens a month. I could have done all those things, but I didn't because I knew that I had team members that were working so extremely hard that if they're looking at me just splurging, not working in the company every day, not putting the same effort that they're doing, they're just going to feel like they're working for my life. They're not working for a bigger purpose. So I've humbled down. I've sacrificed posting myself doing this, posting myself doing that because I'm a true business owner. I think about all my staff. I don't just think about myself. I think about how they're going to feel. And so thinking about your other team members' minds, their psychology behind their thinking and operating strategically is a great way on how you're going to hire a lot better and how you're going to have better success with those employees when they come into your company. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy to hear like a 22 year old talk about this type of stuff. Cause, um, you know, usually you, ha we have, we have people like this in the seat, you know, that are just older, right? Thirties, forties, stuff like that. Um, but you're incredibly young. What kind of got you into the mindset of like, this is exactly what I want to do. So when I was seven years old, I already became an entrepreneur. So I started selling shoes, cleaning shoes, buying, reselling shoes, then I started, you know, as I did it until I was 13 years old, then I started selling tickets to different events, hosting my own parties. And so my point is, I always had the drive of becoming an entrepreneur. As I grew, my businesses just got bigger and better. So maybe when I was in sneakers, I was capped at this. When I was in events, I was capped at this. And then when I was 17 years old, I came out with my first Instagram business. That was a workout meal plan business and an e-com store as well as an upsell. And so essentially... I always had the drive and the vision and the purpose of becoming the best entrepreneur I could possibly be. I remember when my business took off at 17, the first Instagram business, I was in college. I was at the University of Florida and I went there only for four months because the whole time that I was there, I said, I want to see success right now. I don't want to wait four years, have to do this. I'm seeing people do that. I know what I'm capable of. I know I can move to New York City, have my own apartment, have my own office. I know I can do all these things. I want to do it right now. And I've never looked back ever since. And I know that's my goal. And I know that I have the capabilities and the blessings from God to be able to do all these things. So 
I have to go out and serve my purpose. And that's just my mission. <clears throat> but what, what, what purpose is that though? Like, cause, cause I, you know, throughout this, it sounds like, yes, you're amazing at entrepreneur, you know, amazing at entrepreneurship, but like, why, why, why do you need to, you know, grow a big business or why do you need to do that type of stuff? So what, what's your, yeah. Yeah. So I, I say this a lot. I've posted this on my Instagram. I think that if you're not going out there and making money and working your hardest to make money every single day, you are selfish. Okay. I'm going to share a story. I opened up a restaurant with my father, okay, who was a chef his whole life, but he had a lot of money issues. He had a falling out with, with the company that he was with for many, many years. And so when he left that company, he didn't have, you know, the money that it costs to open a restaurant, okay? I was able to wire my father, real proof, I've posted this on my story before, $210,000, okay? Straight wire into his account, $210,000. That led us to opening up the restaurant, Luna Pasta, which now today we've been in business for three years, super successful. All, you know, he does an amazing job with the cooking and you know, managing the kitchen and the team. And I've done an incredible job with the marketing. If I didn't work every single day to make that money that I make every single day, I haven't taken a break. I've never not made money in like the last probably <laughs> 10 years, really, not one day. I wouldn't have been able to send that wire. I would have been useless. I wouldn't have been able to transform my dad's life. What if there was a surgery that happened in one of my family members and they needed another $200,000, needed another $100,000? I wouldn't be able to do that. So my purpose is that I want to have enough money so I can just go out and help everyone. I, when I'm on a plane sometimes and I see some people that I know are less fortunate, like I literally just want to hand them $10,000. Like that's just what I love to do. Since I was young, I used to go on trips, Costa Rica, build schools, Colombia, build schools. I did all that. Now I've been so busy on business, but now I'm already planning on doing more trips of that and I want to give back all the time. So the reason why I have this drive to make money is because I know there's never enough money. You can have money and then you spend it on that, but then something else comes up. And if you're not continuing to strive for more, you're capped, you're limited. I never want to have that. I always want to be able to afford anything that needs to be afforded. Yeah. And so that's my drive. That's my purpose. <clears throat> that's good, dude. That's a good answer. Um, so I know outside of this, we were talking that, um, you know, cause, cause I have a baby daughter and then you were talking about how like, you're just not ready yet. Um, and my question to you outside of this was like, you know, when do you think you'd be ready? If it's a number, if it's a, you know, certain, certain thing like that, obviously I think you're still very young. So I'm not saying like, yes, you should do it now. The only thing I'm asking you is like, uh, is there like a concrete, like, yes, I know when I'm ready to, to, I think 30 sounds like a a fair number that yeah. gives me about eight years to <laughs> accomplish a bunch of success. Not that I'd stop because of having a kid, but I just think at 30, you know, it just sounds about right. Yeah. Sounds about so, right. Got yeah. it. Got it. And what does your girlfriend think about that? She's never brought up having kids or anything like that. You know, neither have her parents. Yeah. Nobody's really thinking about that. They just want us to be happy. <clears throat> we have a lot to grow, a lot of space for self-development and just putting 100% of our energy into ourselves. Yeah. So I think that that's just what we're focused on for now. And then, you know, all that stuff will come. But it's never been something that, that we've talked about really. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, because you guys are young. So I wouldn't expect it to be like a heavy conversation, you know? Um, but no, that's good to know, bro. That's good to know. Um, okay. Well, going back to business, cause that was kind of like a side, uh, a side thing. Um, do you kind of all, do you kind of envision yourself doing this for the next five years is, uh, your agency and just kind of continuing to grow that? Or do you 
plan on expanding to like M&A or something else? No. So I definitely want to continue to build this agency for many years. I think that we have a lot of market share to take over. Um, I consider ourselves in, still in chapter one, even though we've accomplished so much. I still think that where we could be, it's still chapter one. It's 1% of what we can possibly accomplish. Um, so I just want to continue to expand as much as I can, spend more marketing dollars than I could ever imagine. You look at some of these companies on the stock market, the reason why they're on the stock market is because they spend $100 million a year on client acquisition. So I just want to keep on building ourselves up where we can have more impact on people's lives, hire thousands of employees, have sales reps that are young and making, you know, 250,000 a year up to a million profit a year. So I just want to keep expanding, continue to spend more money on marketing, challenge myself on how far I can grow this, what number can I get our yearly revenue to be at? And I think 5 years is a short time, you know, so definitely 5 years I wouldn't think of anything else. Yeah. Well, what 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 do you want it to get to? At least by the by the end of 2023. I mean a billion. By end of 2023, not a billion. By end of 2023, I think that we should be doing at least 20 million a year. Okay, got it. And then why why uh, the billion number? It's funny because like every almost every person that I have on this chair, I'm like, what's your goal? I want to hit a billion. I want to hit a billion. Why 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 that number specifically? I think as years evolve, yeah, numbers in the past that could have been huge number. You start seeing them you know, more easily attainable by other people. Yeah. So you have to continue to challenge yourself. We've seen hundreds of billionaires now. So it's something that, you know, you should strive for. I don't think everyone should strive for. I always say this. Money is not, you know, you have a billion, you're the happiest person. Getting to a billion is one of the roughest roads you can ever take. It comes with sleepless nights. It comes with sacrifice. It comes with not enjoying the weekends. It comes with not traveling as much. Like there's so much negative that it can come with that it may not even be worth it because then you get to the end of your life and you work so hard you didn't even enjoy it but since i've always been you know business is essentially i don't want to say over family relationships friends love stuff like that but one of my number one focuses and priorities i want to make sure that if i was given the talents to be a successful entrepreneur i truly think that if i work extremely hard to maximize those talents that could be a goal that i could actually realistically hit yeah. if I use all my talents to my ability. Yeah. No, I like that. That's a great answer. Probably one of the better answers that we've had when I asked that question. Um, and I agree with you that like back then numbers in the past um, compared to now is like completely different. Cause <clears throat> I remember when everybody's goal is to make a million a year, Yeah. you know, and then now it's like, now every time I talk to people, it's like, well, now the goal is to hit a million a month, you know, and then continue on that way. But I remember back then when like a million a year was like the thing, you know, if you were a seven figure business, business owner, that's the thing. Now I feel like, you know, a lot of people are seven figure business owners. Like now the t- next thing is like getting to an eight figure, nine figure, you know? So, um, I completely agree with you there. Um, in terms of though, in terms of, um, I wanted to ask you a question <clears throat> specifically about hiring. Um, so in, in terms of your org chart, like I know you're mentioning, I know you were mentioning like hire slow and fire fast. But do you determine like, hey, you know, we're going to get an influx of business here. So we need to make sure that we hire like three months beforehand. Because sometimes business owners hire when it's too late, when they're already in the waters. Yeah. So that's something that I do incredibly well. I've mentioned this before. If I have a service that I offer, we're always thinking scale. We're always thinking that we're going to scale up. We're always thinking we're spending more. So we're always thinking ahead. I always make sure that I have at least five to seven 
extremely talented. They've been on the team for a good amount of time, people in each department yeah. that can fulfill on that service. Because if you just have one team member that's fulfilling on that service, and now you have 100 clients or 500 clients per month in that department, they're not going to be able to handle it. And as you say, that's when you have bad customer service because you're going out there spending time hiring instead of fulfilling on the client. Yeah. So in terms of hiring and having enough, that's something that I always do well because the reason why I've gotten to these big numbers is because I don't have a scarce mindset. I don't have a cheap mindset. I'm not afraid to spend big. I'm not afraid to hire big. And that plays a huge role in your success because I see so many people, this is going a little bit off topic, but it's something that I want to touch up on. I see so many people that they want to get, they want to get to a million a month, right? And they start spending a thousand dollars a week on ads. They don't see success on those ads on that first week. And they think this business doesn't work. Let's throw it out. But what they don't realize is if they keep spending money on ads after that second week, they could have gotten one client that paid for that week where they didn't make any money. Yeah. They also could have paid for 10 weeks and not make money. Like I said, if you close on a $10,000 deal, that's straight profit. Right. And you also need to remember that that one person, if you give them a good experience, they're going to spend money again. They're also going to refer other people. Yeah. Last month, I was saying to my team, my media team, I was saying, guys, I don't think we're seeing the best ROIs on our ad spend that we could be seeing. And I was saying, maybe let's cut it down, right? But didn't cut it down. Kept spending, kept saying, I'm not looking at the little numbers. I'm thinking big picture. All of a sudden, we had one client that spent $100,000 in 30 days. He got one service, loved it, got another, loved it. And so it goes to show that if you would have stopped, you would have never experienced that person that could have brought in that huge revenue that could have been your longtime friend, longtime client. So it's all about continuing to spend, continuing to grow, not looking at the little numbers, thinking big, thinking long-term. Because if you study the greats, if you study the billion, billion dollar companies, Uber, Netflix, you always hear Uber's still not profitable. Why? Yeah. Because yeah. they're spending all of their money on client acquisition. And now when they do that, they know now you use Uber for the rest of your life. So after 10 years, they're going to be extremely profitable because they're not thinking about the little dollars right now. Every young entrepreneur that's starting out doesn't think that way. They don't yeah. study those companies. They're studying just what they see on YouTube. But if you study the greats, that's how you need to operate. And if you do that, obviously strategically, you're not just blowing your money and spending your credit and you don't have any money to back that up. Yeah. Obviously, you need to have a good business, a good offer. You're not getting refunds all the time. All of these things come into play. So if you want to learn more, you can send me a DM so our company can help you accomplish that. But essentially, just I think that gives a great answer to your question. Yeah, it does. <clears throat> and what do you do on a day-to-day -day basis? So on a day-to-day -day basis, I wake up at 6.45 a.m., okay? Um, I do that for myself to have the longest day I can have. And also because we have some of our staff that's overseas as well. So it gives me a good time to hop on Zoom meetings with our different departments. What I do is we have different managers in every single one of the departments that we have. But I still like to play a key role where I come in and do a weekly meeting, check in on everyone, see how we're doing, show my face, see their face. That allows you to keep that close connection and not let people just get distracted and stuff. So I come in, I do that. I look at how our customers are doing. Are they happy? Everyone's good. Is there a customer that's not happy? How can I step in and help? Other things I do are I check on our sales team members all the time. They're part, probably the most important part of the team because they're the ones that decide if we're going to keep growing as a company right. or not. They're the ones that decide, are we going to be able to pay our employees or not? So I consider myself a sales expert. Before I ever built a sales team, I myself did probably over $2.5 in sales just selling ourselves. And so personally, and so I know a good amount about sales. I studied a lot of sales. So I'm 
a little bit of like their sales coach at times. We do have a sales manager that handles them, manages them, makes sure that they're taking their calls or not missing their calls. But I'll come in, I'll give them a little bit of a refresh training as well. I text them 20, like not 24 seven because, you know, I have sales managers and stuff that do that. But when I text them more, they're going to perform better because they're going to feel like we're a family, we're a team, we're in this together, I'm here. And so I spend time doing that. Then I spend time thinking about new ad creatives that we can do, new ideas that we can come out with and launch, new offers is another thing. I'm always adding offers to the website, different upsells, bigger packages, new things I don't see in the market, finding gaps where people are not currently offering something that I can offer and, and give a great off and just give a great price for it. Things like that. Always big picture stuff, right? I consider myself a real top business owner. I'm not doing small tasks. I'm not doing $5 an hour tasks, $10 an hour tasks. I'm doing CEO tasks. And because of that, it's been able to put our company in the position that it's in today. <clears throat> I, I like that. Did you, do you have any like um, coaches or mentors in your life that kind of helped you learn this stuff? Because that is more higher level stuff, right? Where you have sales managers or you have like a head of operations or you have um, head of client success and then they take the calls, stuff like that. Like that organizational structure <clears throat> is the difference between, you know, um, six figure companies to seven figure companies, you know, and so on and so forth. So like, did you have anybody that you learned from? So I, I've definitely went to masterminds and different places where you get bits and pieces of information all the time. Um, but really I'm just a YouTube consumer. So I'm studying the greats on YouTube, seeing what they're mentioning And a lot of times you see people spend $10,000 on this mentorship, $10,000 on that mentorship. Then they go look at their bank account and they have no money left because they're just spending money everywhere. I'm a believer that you should invest in yourself. You should definitely take risk and, you know, make that big investment to get in the right rooms. I, I do that now, but that's because I have the cash flow now to be able to do that. And so on the, on my way there, I really just studied as much as I can on YouTube, studied people like Patrick, Bet David, you know, different mentors along the way. Um, I never really had somebody that, you know, I could grant my success to or someone that has testimonials of me saying that they changed my life. I've never really been one of those people. I really started out just completely on my own, getting my own information on, like I said, on YouTube. And the one thing that I did differently is that a lot of times people will watch a video on YouTube. They'll go back to sleep. They'll go back to their nine to five. I'm watching that video and I'm implementing it right away. And they always say that if you do that, you're going to learn things lot faster. And so that's what I've done to really know how to structure companies, know how to structure team members. I just search up those videos on YouTube and I get the greats for free. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy to me. Um, what's, what's your core values at your company? Cause when you're talking about like, Hey, I'm watching a video and then I implement that. Like one of our core values is the universal love speed, you know, like it'll reward you if you're fast. What are your, some of your core values that you have uh, within the company? Some of them are really just basic, you know, being ethical to every single team member is something extremely crucial because a lot of these people, there's like 20 people per department and they're communicating, they're talking to each other. Some of those other things are just simple respect um, to our company, our clients and themselves showing up on time, never being late, never getting lazy. Um, Honor is another one. Very, very, very important. The next one is loyalty. I think that I give so, so much. And it's sometimes so easy for people to forget all they were given that allowed them to get there. So I make sure that if you're going to join this company, you're going to be loyal. Doesn't mean that you can't go and start your own thing one day. Not at all. 
It just means that if you do do that, you're going to do it properly. Yeah. You're not going to do things out of line because you were given so much to be in that position now. So just some of those core things. Yeah. Um, and obviously discipline, which kind of is ties into all of those because you need discipline to be loyal, respectful, have honor, integrity. And how do you, how do you, uh, how do you kind of enforce the, the discipline portion? Well, once again, I make sure that they're paid well. I make sure that they feel like they're here for a bigger purpose. And that always helps a lot because it motivates people to want to be great. It motivates people to want to stay in this company. I also always show the progress that we have. I showed, you know, 2019, maybe we did only 3 million in sales. 2020, maybe we did 5 million. You know, I'm always showing that we're growing, growing, growing. And that motivates people to continue the discipline. Another thing is the weekly check-ins as well. Yep. Another thing is having the managers in each department that make sure that they're following all those things. Having people that are making sure that they're showing up to their shift on time. So we have a lot yeah. of different assistants, people that oversee that always do that. And when they have that pressure, you're not just letting them be loose and do their own thing. They typically become disciplined and it becomes a habit. Yeah, dude, that's powerful. And then uh, for you specifically, outside of business, do you have any hobbits that... Uh, hobbits, <laughs> habits that you enjoyed um, doing, yeah. like fishing or whatever? Yeah, yeah. So I grew up being a soccer player. So that was one of the things that gave me a lot of discipline because yeah. I was in school, I was doing business, I was playing soccer. So, you know, I had to wake up at 5.30 a.m. to finish my homework after doing business and soccer all day, you right. know? So that really built up my discipline. And so now I like to stay in shape as well. So I go to the gym and then I don't really enjoy running on the treadmill that much. I like playing soccer or basketball for cardio. Yeah. I also get to hang out, meet new people. So I do play soccer and basketball throughout the week after work just to stay in good shape, have some fun doing cardio. Okay, but no TV whatsoever or... No TV, maybe, you know, only podcasts, really. Yeah, really? Yeah. Wow. So you don't know anything that's happening in, in like shows like Yellowstone no. or like that? Really? None of that. Dang, that's crazy. Well, what about your girlfriend? Does she like watching TV? She likes watching TV, but she knows that I don't really watch any of those stuff. So we don't really converse about that. Maybe yeah. when I'm working and she's doing her thing, you know, she'll watch that. Um but no, nah, man, really just never wanted to waste time with any of that. Life yeah. is too precious. There's not enough time. If I want to reach those billion dollar marks, I need to be working as much as I possibly can. I know it's important to take some time off and stuff. So definitely maybe at 10 p.m. after work, you know, if she happens to be watching something. <laughs> <At> 10 p.m. <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah, come yeah. in. But, you know, it's not something that I that I regularly do or ever got in the habit of, yeah. which uh, is important. Yeah. Well, well, what, you know, I'm very curious. What do you and your girl like converse about? Is it business stuff like about your day and then she just kind of weighs in or? Well, she's also actually still in school. So yeah. she's still at NYU. She's finishing up her last year. Um, so, so she's I, super busy probably right yeah, now too. Yeah, she's busy as well. So that's good because we both have our thing. You know, I'm doing business. She's doing her homework and making sure she's studying. Yeah. And she does actually have a one client as a social media manager that she has just to have something along, you know, just to build while she's still in school. Yep. So we chat about that, you know, different strategies that she could be doing there, like as a social media that we share alongside. Um, you know, I'm always making sure that she's doing well in school, that she's happy, you know, really just make sure I'm the best person I can possibly be. That's always something that I focus on. So I like to give her a lot of attention. And then, yeah, she'll chime in, you know, I'll show her some of the stuff that I'm working on. She'll give me her ideas. She's very smart. Uh, so that helps a lot. Yeah. Does she plan on having something for herself later on? 
Yeah, like definitely. social media I mean, stuff. Yeah, I mean, now she's she's finishing up school. She doesn't want to put too much pressure and like decide on exactly what she wants to do right now. Yeah. But I think that she's built up a lot of skill sets. So let's say she wanted to be a realtor or something like that. Well, now she has all the social media skill sets that she's built up that she could be a better realtor than somebody who doesn't have anything. So I always tell her like, don't stress yourself out about what you're going to do long-term. Just focus on building skill sets and then you'll always be valuable to anyone that you come across. Yeah. What about your family? Like, have you inspired a lot of your family to <clears throat> either start up businesses? I know you talked about the story of your dad, right? Um, but what about, do you have like an extended family or is it just more of like an immediate close? Yeah, well- I've done a, I've inspired everyone in my family. So my mom is incredibly inspired by me. She was able to now start her own yoga business as well, which wow. I've helped too. Um, my dad, yeah, he has his business. He's incredibly inspired to always continue to grow the company because he wants to, you know, do as much as my company is doing. So I'm always helping him there too. My brother is also a DJ independent and has his own clothing brand. And he's always inspired by me. I help him, yeah, I help him with marketing <laughs> all the time. I'm literally calling him for free, just consultations because I love him, you know, always helping him. Um, and then everyone in my family, like my aunts and stuff, um, I've actually employed one of my aunts as well who was struggling financially. She has a salary now in my company for like the last 18 months or so. Yeah. So I've helped a lot of people in my family. I'm always looking to help as much as I can. Um, I had a younger cousin when I first moved to New York, you know, I hired her as one of my first employees, you know, yep. so I've always wanted to help my family. I've definitely inspired everyone in my family, um, not to be egotistical or anything like that, but so far I've generated, you know, the most revenue in my family. So everyone kind of looks at me as an expert yeah. in my field and I give as much value as I can. Dude, that's powerful. And did the last, like, for example, your mom starting up a yoga business, um, did that happen like just recently or before you or? Yeah. So that was only about two years ago. So it definitely played Damn. a role in what I've accomplished, what I've done on Instagram. It gave her the confidence that, Hey, look, I know I'm probably going to succeed in this because I'm great at yoga and my son is an incredible marketer. So if I just do my part as a yoga instructor and you can help me market it. It'll be successful. And that's what it's been. Now she has her own retreats where she has, you know, these high ticket packages that she yep. takes people on and all that. And <laughs> That's so, so cool, dude. Yeah, man. It, it's cool because like, it looks like each of them are doing what they love. Your brother's a DJ. Your dad is a chef. So he's, you know, has a restaurant. Your mom does yoga, you know, like yeah. they're all creating businesses around stuff that they love. So I'm assuming like they're making really good money and they're doing things that they really enjoy. So it's like they get to do, you know, they got, they get to live the best of both worlds, basically. Yeah, that's, right? that's, that's the best part about life, you know, really being able to make money with your passion. Obviously, not everyone gets to experience that, but if you can work extremely hard and plan out your life strategically so that you can go ahead and do that one day, I highly recommend that because you're going to spend most of your time living working. Yeah. So you want to make sure that while you're working, you're enjoying what you do. Yeah. And um, what do you think about, because it's like when I'm interviewing you, it seems like there's a lot of things that you kind of go against the grain of, like the niche down thing. There's also this thing of like hiring your family. A lot of business owners say don't hire your family um, because there becomes issues and stuff like that. It doesn't look like this is the situation in your life because you've hired your family. You've done business with your family. You've gave your family money, which a lot of people say never do, right? They'll say like, oh, if I give my family $5,000, whatever, I just make sure that I give it to them and, and I tell them you can never ask again. Like, but your situation is completely different. Yeah, I think what plays the difference is that they're working. So they know the hard work that it takes to make that money. Maybe if somebody's just sitting around on the couch, you give them money, they don't know how hard it took to get that money. They're not going to know how to value and appreciate that money. And you haven't done that yet? You haven't given anybody from your family just money because they asked for some? 
No. So I had, like I said, my aunt, you know, who's struggling with health, but not too much where she can't have, you know, an occupation. Yeah. And she, you know, maybe used to ask for some money for my mom and stuff like that. And, you know, maybe repetitively. And I stepped in and I said, well, look, you don't need to ask for money. Let me give you this job. You just have to do this. I pay you more than I'll pay, you know, some of my VAs and stuff like yeah. that because you're my family. And yeah, you know, by doing that, you know, I think it's it's all good. What about when the, like, has there been a portion where you've had to like discipline like your, your aunt or like somebody from your family to, because they're not doing the work? Like how, how's that dynamic? Yeah, actually… I haven't had that experience. They respect a lot that yeah. I give the opportunity. Yeah. And so they really want to just take that opportunity by the neck and accomplish as much as they can and prove themselves that, you know, I gave them this opportunity and they did incredibly well. Yeah. Um, I have had that issue with business partners. So I've already had to buy out a business partner for over $200,000 yeah. that wasn't doing what I needed from his end. And so I had to make that executive decision to do that. So I've experienced that with maybe people that I brought into my company, but not so much with people that I've given opportunity to in my family. Yeah. Powerful. Um, in terms of, uh, in terms of like the buying out portions and, and, you know, basically that obstacle in your life, what, as someone your age, you know, maybe you haven't experienced some of these, uh, the other stuff that I'm talking, that I was talking about, but you have experienced some sort of struggle building an eight figure, uh, company. So like, uh, Talk us through like one or two of those. What have been some of the major obstacles or stuff that you've had to face? Yeah. So the first one I would say is payment processing was something that I dealt with as a very big issue young. So I was obviously making a lot of money when I was 17, 18, 19, really young age. And so a lot of times when I would come into these new payment processors, let's say I started off with Stripe. I would do a hundred thousand, let's say, in seven days or something crazy like that. They would check my age, see that I'm 18, think that I'm money laundering or something like that. They would shut my account down, hold the money for 180 days. Yeah. So that happened with Stripe, happened with PayPal, happened with Square, and then happened with a personal merchant. So after I dealt with those three, they said, Go get a personal merchant. <laughs> yep. You're not gonna have that issue. Yeah. Went and did that. Okay. They ended up even emailing my customers to see if they liked the experience. I didn't even know that they were doing that. Everyone yeah. replied so incredibly well. I didn't even have a chance to tell anyone, hey, reply, give yeah. a good reply, nothing. They thought that the replies were so good that they thought people were doing that because they're money laundering. They want to give a good word so they don't get in trouble. Yeah. So they shut me down, the personal merchant, 180K. That happened. Then I had to make, I wasn't even planning on talking about this, but I had to make an executive decision once again. Um, at the time, I was living. In a penthouse, I had, it was myself and then three other team members that were living there. Um, they weren't really team members. They were like young entrepreneurs who said they wanted to join my team and kind of sell for us and stuff like that. And so two of them kind of did. Another one of them didn't really do that. And he was still living there like incredibly cheap. It wasn't like they were getting flare splits. Like I was paying 60%. They were paying, you know, like yeah. a very small portion. And so essentially… At the time, I had got shut down by all these payment processors. And so I made the decision that I wanted to process through my friend kind of thing like that. And that's a long story. But essentially, I got scammed out of $300,000 because he said that he was going to… He asked if he could hold some of the money that was coming in when I was processing and that he would give me a loan. Not that If I gave him, allow him to hold this money, he would pay me 50K additional just for letting him hold the money. And then after three months, when he held the money, 
he ended up losing all the money in a crypto scam. There's a real story. I'm still dealing with a lawsuit right now. I haven't, <laughs> I've been in the, like in the whole process of settlement with him, yeah. but essentially because of the whole payment processing, it led me to make as a young kid, I was like 20 years old at the time, led me to make a dumb decision, an impulsive decision. And that ended up costing me $300,000. So definitely payment processing led to more issues. Um, and that was one of the struggles for sure. Now for the year, last year and a half, I've had a great personal merchant that's worked perfectly fine. No issues whatsoever. They love me because of how much revenue I bring in for them. Yeah. And the second struggle was business partners. So I recommend anyone before they go out, this is a billion dollar tip, by the way, or at least a million dollar tip. Before they go out and try to hire or bring on a business partner because they want to launch this business, they're scared they can't do it on themselves. Think about how instead of giving somebody equity in your company, you can have an employee that you can give a good salary to, and they'll help you accomplish that goal without you taking the risk of overnight giving somebody a huge percentage in your company just because you felt like it was the right thing to do. Right. And now you have this huge valuation and you're stuck with, by law, having to buy them out for a huge amount of money when, in my opinion, or anyone's opinion who was watching, didn't deserve that money. Yeah. Right. So that, those are the two obstacles. One was hearing processing. The other was having business partners, not business partners, because it was just one business partner. But making that decision to have that business partner cost me a lot of money because if I didn't have that business partner, I would have netted way more money. And I also wouldn't have had to buy out for a ridiculous price when I was already paying them incredibly well during the time that they were with the company. And the reason why I did that was simply because I was a young kid. I thought having a business partner would, you know, just make the experience better and right. more enjoyable. But really you could have had the same task he was doing a team member do <laughs> that you didn't have to give huge percentage. Yep. And then they still would have been happy because you're always paying them. You're always consistent. You're always taking care of them. They enjoy life with you. They're having fun trips or doing all this, but you didn't have to just go out and give a huge percentage. And then everyone that I talk to, that's a young entrepreneur that has a business partner. They're telling me, Oh my God, I wish you told me this sooner. I, I, I didn't want it. And now I have this partner. He's not working hard enough and he has yep. this huge percentage in the company. Right? So that's something that I, that I struggled with. And now, um, you know, I just am so blessed that I made that decision to spend that huge amount of money to buy out that partner. Because ever since I've just been so much happier because I feel like all the work that I put in has, I'm reaping the benefits a lot more right. than when you were splitting it and they weren't even deserving of it. Yeah, hundred percent. And I want to talk about both of them real quick. Um, but primarily first, so like, what did you end up doing when they held your payments? Because a lot of business owners, that would be like a lack of cash flow. Like if each payment processor is holding the money that you're trying to, because some of that money you got to use to fulfill, right? Like that's how a business runs, you know? So like you take money from a client, use a portion of it to, to fulfill, you use a portion for sales commissions, all that stuff. But if it's held, what did you end up doing? Did you tell the client, be like, hey, it's going to take a little longer or you just took it out of your personal or what? This is why I'm here sitting down where I am today. <clears throat> I never held a client's fulfillment for one day. Yeah. I never held a sales rep's commission for one day. Fulfilled out of pocket, paid commission out of pocket. Had zero in the bank. I didn't care. I knew I was going to keep making money every single day to cover those costs, cover my rent, cover the lifestyle still living. Was I suffering? 100%. Is it part of the process? 100%. But I never got a lawsuit because I wasn't fulfilling for a client. Yeah. I never got a team member that left my team because I wasn't paying them and I wasn't loyal. I knew that if I could just close my eyes, not care about what my bank account looks like, 
and make sure that my priorities and my values are still aligned with how I'm operating, I was going to make it out. Yep. I was going to wait six months. I was going to get that money. And once I did, everything was handled. But I wasn't going to make the decision of thinking short term, I don't want to see my bank go to zero. Hell no. What if you were in this situation? You wouldn't pay me out either. No, no excuses. Yeah. The reason why I'm, I am, or the reason why I'm at is because I operated that way then. I operated that way when I got scammed $300,000. I operated that way when I had to buy out my business partner and I was, you know, not as liquid. Yeah. And I operated that way when I got shut down four times. So, <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's insane. Um, and, and crazy good story. And I think like, I think like, you know, this is, and this is completely like just stereotypical, but I'm thinking like the normal, like 17 to 20 year old kid, like would, would have been able to live with their parents and done that. You know what I'm saying? But like, still like you would, you done it. You did it when you were at an apartment. Well, I was living in a 7,500 a month apartment. Yeah. 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 So, and you were still like, yeah, fuck it. You know, like yeah. I gotta, I gotta do what I gotta do here. Um, and how were you taking payment? Was it like more like wire then or like Venmo or Zelle or stuff like that? If, no, if, I mean like it was like, <clears throat> okay, got shut down here. Yeah. Let me go open up here. Yeah. But the thing was, since I was a new account. They always kind of, yeah. So it was like, I did that. I did that. Then I did the other mistake when yeah. I, when I, in that scam. And then finally got the personal merchant that I've been with for like a year and a half that I've never had any issues. So that's kind of how it went. I never went the route of, oh, I'm just going to accept wire. I'm just going to accept Zelle because we get all our money through our website. And oh, websites yeah, only yeah. have credit cards. So a lot of people were just like, oh, dude, you should just do website. I mean, you should just do Zelle, Cash App, use those platforms. You don't deal with any <laughs> credit card stuff. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm way too legit to yeah. settle for that. Yeah. You know? Because then, yeah, because when, when that happens, it's like, well, you got to stop all the marketing that you're currently doing. Um, that way, because like, how are you going to tell people like, oh yeah, sell me here, you know, do yeah, this Yeah, you diminish here. your credibility right away. Yeah, 100%, dude. That's, uh, that's, that's a powerful lesson. Um, so the second thing was the business partner portion, right? So I've had this issue. I know a lot of people that have had business partners have this issue. It's like there's either not clear roles or one person is doing the majority of the work compared to the other, right? So like um, for you now, do you plan on never having business uh, partners? It all depends. You know, sometimes when you want to get to very big heights and like, you know, if you have a billion dollar company or a multi-billion dollar company and you have, you know, you're taking less percent than a hundred percent to get there, you know, maybe I'll consider that down the line. For yeah. now, I'm not considering that. I don't think I need that in any shape or form. I think that I have all the abilities. And if I bring in top talent and top team members and loyal team members along with my vision, I can be fine without dealing with any partners. Uh, so definitely right now, I would never consider that. Got it. And I'm certain as of your age, you probably get a lot of young kids too that are like teenagers or you know young adults that like look up to you and stuff like that. Um, do you do anything in terms of like, um, I don't know, inspiration for any of those? Like what, what advice would you give them that want to be in kind of like a position that you're in? Yeah, I mean, I've always helped a lot of the younger entrepreneurs by bringing them into my company and giving them opportunity. I was doing that at a pretty mass scale at one point. Yeah. Then what started happening was I would build up their personal brand. I would show them how to make sales. I would give them everything that I knew A to Z. And then there was other cases, other part of the struggles where people would try to do things on their own now, try to plagiarize my website, copy and paste it, try yeah. to sell that stuff. So I stopped doing that as much. And I've really kind of made my team a little bit smaller. I'm more exclusive with the people I accept. 
So the inspiration I give is all on my Instagram. I'm going to be posting a lot on TikTok now, so you can find it all there for free. Yeah. Um, and if you want to join my company, you're going to really have to show me why you deserve the opportunity and why you're going to be loyal and why I should trust you. Yeah. Well, dude, I appreciate you being on the show. Where can people find you? I know you mentioned TikTok and Instagram, but what's the the at handle? Yeah, the at is D-R-E-M-E-D-I-C-I. Thank you so much, dude. I appreciate you being on the show. Yes, sir, man. I appreciate you so much.